Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Hey, it is so good to see all of you here this morning. How's everybody doing in the fast? Great? Okay. A few greats? Good. Wow, well, I'm, I'm so proud of you all that are participating in the fast, and uh, uh, if you haven't been, you still have plenty of time, and I hope that you will. We're, we're one-third of the way through. Yeah, yeah, time flies. So uh, I know that fasting is not a real, probably popular, uh, glitzy kind of series to go through, but... You know, sometimes um, we need to eat lima beans, Brussels sprouts, those things that we don't really prefer. Because I know, uh, at least for me, I'd, I'd prefer cake and ice cream, you know, <laughs> especially right now. But, um, you know, going through, going through this series is going to be helpful for us to help us mature and grow. So I want to thank you again. I want to thank you for joining us online. We have this uh, 20, 21 day scripture sheet. And so uh, the scripture for today is actually um, Matthew 6.33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So this is a great uh, little scripture sheet to kind of kickstart your daily devotional. So pick one or two of these up and uh, on the way out. I want to talk a little bit. I just want to recap from the last couple of weeks. If you missed any of these sermons, I encourage you to go back. On the 26th of December, 21, uh, we talked about how do I fast. The first point was pray. First of all, pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to do. And then secondly, prepare spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. And then the third point was to press through. If you've been fasting and you've never fasted before, I told you that it was going to be hard. And it is hard. But the, the results are very beneficial. So press through, be committed, and focus on spending time with the Lord. Because it's not just about not eating. It's about spending time with Him. And then last week... We, uh, I talked about why do I fast? Why should I fast? To grow closer to the Lord. That's the heart. That's the goal. Oh, we want to release the children's ministry. Thank you. We're, we're going to go for three hours today. So, we, so uh, sorry about that. I got distracted here. So uh, last week we talked about to grow. We fast to grow closer to the Lord to receive clarity from the Lord. And if you've been fasting already, you know that your, your senses are already heightened. Uh, you know, you, you, you just pick up on odors and fragrances that you wouldn't normally notice. And today I'm, I'm going to talk about when should I fast. When you need to hear from the Lord or when you're facing some tough situations, that's when we need to fast and really seek the Lord. At Life Fellowship, we begin the year with fasting and prayer because it's a great way to kick off the new year and, uh, you know, get our hearts right um, and get our focus on the Lord. So we, we want to pray for ourselves. 
There's nothing wrong with praying for yourself. You, you need it. <laughs> we all need it. Pray for yourself. Pray, pray for your family. Good grief. We need to pray for our family. Pray for your church family. Pray for your friends. Pray for those lost people that, that you know. Pray for the local government. Pray for the state government. Pray for the federal government. Listen, the people that are making the laws and instituting what we have to live by, we have a vested interest in those things. So we need to be praying for our leaders. And then also we want to pray for other believers all across the globe. So the other thing I wanted to mention, I didn't bring one up here, but every Wednesday at the property we pray from, eight, uh, from 10 to 11. And so we'd love for you to join us in person if you can. If you can't, though, we have some, uh, some prayer sheets over there. And these are the 11 or 12 things that we're praying for. Steve has them. You can grab one on the way out the door. We can print some more of those up. But we're probably going to be praying those things throughout the year. We've been praying those same things for about two or three years now. And so we're constantly praying and interceding for the, the nation and, and uh, praying for a Jesus revival to take place. So you can join us, not just on Wednesday if you're not able to be there, but throughout the week. So those are some things that, that, uh, that we have for you that, that you can pick up a scripture list and a prayer list. Now, today's service is going to be a little bit different, but and, and I want to share some things with you. We're talking about praying and fasting. And what I'm about to share with you is not for gossip, it's for prayer, okay? And uh, how many of you have heard of Hope City Church here in the Houston area? Have you ever heard of them? They're a large church, they're about seven years old, and uh, I think they're having about 10, 11, 12,000 people attend on weekends. They have multiple campuses. So they're a very influential church in our area. Well, I guess it was last week, I'm not sure, uh, Jeremy Foster, their pastor, resigned because he was having an extramarital affair. So that is tragic. When we, when we see the enemy coming in and destroying, now he had a part to play in it. It wasn't all the enemy. But it's devastating to the body of Christ. And, and so what I want to do this morning before we jump into the, ser the sermon is I want us to pray. Join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift up Jeremy Foster to you. We pray for his healing and wholeness. We pray for restoration in his relationship with you, Lord. And that you would extend to him the knowledge, he probably knows it here, but maybe he doesn't know in his heart how great your forgiveness is toward him. So, Lord God, we ask that you would restore him. You've given him a great responsibility, and I can only imagine the shame and the guilt that he's dealing with right now and blowing it. And, Lord God, we lift up his, his wife. I think her name is Jessica or Jennifer. And, and I think they have two children. Lord, we lift them up to you for peace and strength and provision. And Lord God, we pray that you would not only restore Jeremy to you, but also reconcile him to his family. That you would heal, heal them. And we pray for our brothers and sisters at Hope City Church that are struggling, that are hurting, that feel betrayed, that feel all kinds of emotions, Lord God. We pray for them. 
We, we pray for the leadership as they go about now trying to reconstruct everything and trying to get everything in place. We pray for unity, Lord God, in that body and that it wouldn't be fragmented because of what this one man has done, Lord God. Our focus needs to be on you because every time we, we elevate a man to a higher standard, we will be let down because we're just men and women, Lord God. And so, Father, I pray that you would just bring restoration to that entire body, to this entire body, the body of Christ. They're part of us. They're part of the body. So, Lord, we we lift them up and we pray for them. And we thank you that you're a God of second chances, that you're a God of restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm telling you, man, when you fast, the sensitivity, ah, it happens, but it's a good thing. So uh, just a couple more comments about this situation. Uh, Jeremy Foster has stepped down, and uh, that's the right thing to do. He needs to get counseling. He needs to get help. He needs to get restoration for him and his marriage. Uh, And hopefully he'll receive healing and counseling and be able to to move forward. And hopefully his family will will be restored. And Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come to give you abundant life. And the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to go for the head. He's going to go for a headshot. He could shoot you in the ankle or in the, in the leg, but he's going for the head because if he can decapitate the head, the body's dead. There's no life in the body. And so we don't know, none of us know what it's like to walk in this man's shoes. I can't imagine what it would be like to, to birth a church, plant a church, and in five, to five years, whatever, seven years, this church has grown to multiple campuses and uh, 10, 12,000 people that you're responsible for. None of us here know what that weight is like. Now, I'm not excusing what he did in any way. What he did was clearly wrong. And he did the right thing by resigning. And hopefully there'll be restoration. But let's look at, at Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Jesus is saying this. He says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. We can't really judge somebody until we walk in their shoes. We can be fruit inspectors, but that's different than judging someone. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. 1 Corinthians 10:12 says, "If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall." Because when we start judging someone, we can step into that same stinking trap. So when we see that somebody, a brother or or somebody that's, that's our brother and sister has a failure, we should cry out to God. We should pray for them because we don't know what it's like. We haven't walked in their shoes. We are called to the gospel of reconciliation to restore people back to this relationship with God and to one another. 
And so when these things happen, we need to pray. I hate Satan. I hate the enemy. Because he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is destroying people's lives. Some of the lives that are being destroyed are, are by their own poor choices. But the enemy doesn't care. As long as he can get them to fail and live in shame and guilt and addictions and all these kinds of things, he succeeded. And you know, one of the, one of the terrible things about this is, is weak Christians, compromising Christians, use this kind of stuff and say, see, that's why I don't go to church. They're all a bunch of fakes. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you know what? We all are a bunch of hypocrites because we, we all sin. We all stumble. We all fall. And please hear me. I'm not excusing away what he did. It's wrong. And he will stand before God one day, as we all will, and he's going to give an account. And he's responsible for a huge church. That's a heavy, heavy burden that I don't think any of us would want. And so we need to pray for him. We need to pray for that church. And when somebody says, well, you know, that's why I don't go to church. You know what I tell them? I've had a bad steak, but I'm not going to quit eating steak because I've had one bad steak. <laughs> you know, and if your focus is on a man instead of Jesus, your focus is off anyway. Because every time you elevate a man to some kind of high position, he will let you down. Almost with... It'll happen. So let's be careful how we judge. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. If you need prayer, we talk about it a lot. We've got the prayer line, 832-864-2802. Hey, we ought to come up with a little jingle for that. What do you think? (laughs) So leave a voicemail, leave a text, and uh, we'll be praying for you. You can guarantee that the prayer team will be praying for you. Okay, so today's message is why or when should I fast? Fast when you have something important before you. Uh, you're going to make a job change, a career change. Certainly, please, if you're going to marry somebody, you know, come on. You need to pray. You need to seek the Lord about that and, uh, or if you're in a tough situation. Um, this, this new year is a great time to set some goals. Seeking direction from the Lord. So you, what, I, what I want to challenge you to do is ask the Lord what he wants you to focus on this year. I want you to sit down and write out some spiritual goals. Ask the Lord some questions. Lord, how can I grow in my relationship with you? Or whatever's on your heart. Ask him some of those questions. And then he may say, well, I, you know, you may determine that you need to spend more time reading the Bible or uh, praying more. You may say, well, I need to deliberately set aside more time to, to hear from the Lord. Sit out on the back patio with a cup of coffee or, or whatever and deliberately set aside time to hear from the Lord. Spend more time in worship. Spend time in worship. Fast for a a day or two a month. You know, whatever those things are that the Lord is placing on your heart that you can do to grow in your relationship. I want to have a a Ta moment with you, and that stands for transparent, authentic, and honest. You know that. 
But uh, I know many of us are working from home. And I'm telling you, it's hard for me. You know, I've, I've shared with you before that um, I have a hard time taking a Sabbath, taking a day off. I guess I'm a workaholic. You know, have, have you ever been to an AA meeting? And, and they go around the table and they say, hi, my name is Bob. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, my name is... I guess if they had a workaholics, I guess I would say, hi, my name is Mark. I'm a workaholic. But I'm so passionate about what I get to do. And I, I love you guys so much. And, and so it's hard for me just to set it down. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish some boundaries at the house where we say, okay, at this time we stop work. Pray for me. <laughs> so you have some things too. And, and so part of what we're talking about today is spiritual disciplines where we institute the things that the Lord wants us to do. He, his greatest desire is to have a relationship with us. The second thing is, ask the Lord what He wants you to focus on this year and set some personal goals. Pastor Christine and I, we have an ongoing couple of goals. Every year, it's like, exercise, lose weight. Well, I guess that's for next year. Okay, the next year, exercise, lose weight. Okay, so here's the thing about goals. You have to be committed. You know, we're, we're going to exercise and lose weight this year. I'm hoping we'll be committed to that. But maybe, maybe you want to set some goals to take better care of yourself, exercise and lose weight, maybe part of those. Ensure that you're taking a Sabbath every day. I mean, every week. <laughs> Sorry. Take a Sabbath every week. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to work every day. Um, plan a vacation. Listen, we all work hard. We need to reward ourselves. Plan a vacation. Plan it out where you can be saving money so you can go on that vacation. And do something nice. I wasn't sure what that was. Yeah. Let it rain, Jesus. Rain down on us. Here's one. Relax more. Take some time just to relax. Good grief. You know, we, we thought that when, as technology evolved with robotics and all those kinds of things, it was going to make our lives easier, right? Has anybody slowed down? I think we work harder now than we did, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago. Pick up a hobby. Pick up a hobby. I went, I went and bought some, uh, well, yeah, well, I'll say it this way. I went and bought some golf clubs uh, about a month ago. <laughs> and so I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, when I get off this fast, I'm going to go take a couple of lessons. I'm going to go play some golf. I was talking with Elliot. He's on our board. He plays a lot of golf. And he said, here's the thing about golf. When you go out and play golf, you're, you're focusing on hitting that little white ball, and it gets your mind off of everything else. He said, you need to get your mind off of, off of the church and all the things that you have going on. And he says, this is a great way to do it. So maybe golf is not your thing, but find a hobby. Find something that you can enjoy. And so set some goals for yourself. And so I've set some goals for me with my hobby how many times a month I'm going to play and things like that, and hopefully I'll be committed to that. Then the third thing I wanted to mention is ask the Lord what He wants you to focus on this year and set some financial goals. Listen, every year that Pastor Christine and have set financial goals, we've met the mark. What is that saying? Let me see. Failing, failure to plan is planning to fail. Is that right? 
So if you don't have any goals, it's kind of like the saying, any road will get you there. If you, you, know, if you don't know where you're going, well, just pick any road, and you'll end up somewhere. And, and so what I'm seeing is that when we have set goals like that, especially financial goals, we say we're going to save X amount of dollars. We can hit the target because now we have a target. We can say, well, wait, we need to save this much money every month or, or whatever. And you can do that. You can determine to reduce your credit card spending. Start paying cash. You know, what we do is when we uh, get paid, we, uh, we go to the bank and we, we get a, a, an allotment um, and, and we, we use that. And here's another thing, and I'll, I'll be talking more about this in the coming weeks because I want to talk about some of these things and I want you here for that because it's really important. But uh, the first month that you use your credit card and you don't pay it off that month, you need to cut that thing up. Just make that a rule and just try to use more cash. Here's another thing. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. The word says the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. And Christina and I have been tremendously blessed, and we have no debt. And it's liberating. It's freedom. And so God wants us to live in freedom. And uh, I know that sometimes people have mortgages and, and things like that, but... But don't spend foolishly. Try to get out of debt. And so seek the Lord. Ask him what he wants you to do. And then work toward that. You have some goals. Okay. So my first point is fast when you have important decisions or need to hear from the Lord on a situation. When Jesus was eight, eight days old, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. Now think about this. They're dedicating God to God. I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, so let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 36 and 37. Anna, a prophet, who was also there in the temple, a pro Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phineal from the tribe of, uh, tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Okay, well, I'm, would you like to be in the Bible and then, you know, just tell everybody you're old? Okay. So Luke 36, 2.36 continues. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Verse 37. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. This, this woman had a commitment to the Lord. It's like when her husband died, she said, okay, you're my husband now. I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to come to the temple. I'm going to fast and pray. And it says here that she was worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Do, when you think of worship, do you ever think of fasting and prayer? I don't. I think of, hey, we come into the house or we, we, we sing some praise and worship songs. But she was worshiping God with fasting and prayer. And so as we do that in this season, this 21-day season, we're worshiping God through fasting and prayer because we're saying, Lord, I'm denying my flesh and I'm focusing on you. And that's really, that's really what worship should be all about. You know, so many people come into a worship service and, and they sit down and they say, okay, entertain me. Worship was never about entertainment. It was about engagement with him. And worship is not God worshiping us. 
Worship and praise and worship is about giving adoration and praise and worship to our Heavenly Father. It's connecting with Him. It's emptying ourselves of ourself. You know, the Word says that we bring a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. And, and so, you know, a lot of times we think everything is all about us. Oh, it's all about me. Well, no, it's all about Him. And so, sometimes we need to get out of our comfort zone and, and just press through. You know, especially when we're going through some challenges. So, our, our first point is fast when you have important decisions, need to hear from the Lord. The second point is fasting and prayer is a form of worship to the Lord. Um, let's go to Mark chapter 2, verse 18 through 20. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, okay, I want to stop here for a moment. The Pharisees, they may not have had a heart toward God, but don't mess with their rituals. They had their fasting down, and they had all these rules and regulations and all these things that, that, that they, they forced on the other people that were not drawing people to God. But here it says that they were praying, uh, that they were fasting. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? That's what Jesus replied. He said, do wedding guests fast while, the, while celebrating the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. Now, when you look at the scripture, the word tells us that we are the bride of Christ. Well, that means he is the groom of Christ. <laughs> he is the groom, right? And, and so I think the word is giving us some insight here that Jesus is the groom and we are the bride. And you probably know that already. But uh, Mark uh, 2.20 goes on to say, And someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. So my third point is God honors those that fast and pray and sincerely seek him. Many of you know the story of Jonah being swallowed by the big fish and all of that. But... God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach. He said, I want you to go and deliver this message to the people of Nineveh. Well, what did he do? He went the opposite direction. He said, no, no thanks, God. I'm, I'm going the other direction. So he boarded a ship to run away. And the word says that the Lord brought a violent storm, a violent storm. And so the sailors were... They were pagans. They were praying to their gods, and they were, you know, doing all this stuff. And they, they wake up Jonah, and they say, hey, come on, man. We're about to perish. You need to pray to your God. Whoever that is, go pray to your God. And so Jonah says, well, guys, it's, it's all my fault because the Lord told me to, to go to Nineveh, and, and I haven't. So all of this has come about because of my disobedience. He said, just throw me overboard. And they're like, well, we, we really don't want to do that. And he said, no, just throw me overboard. So they threw him overboard, and instantly, immediately, the storm stopped. And so this was a testimony to those pagan sailors, and they began to worship and serve God, the real God, because they're, they're like, hey, you know, there's something to this God that, that we don't know about, that we haven't been praying to. And so you know the story. Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. 
and he was in the, the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, and then the fish spit out Jonah on the beach. So let's go to Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And this is where this story picks up. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Okay, he had already told him once, go to Nineveh and preach. And he didn't do it. But look at, look at the script. Let's look at the scripture. He spoke to Jonah a second time. He is a God of second chances. He could have used anybody else. He could have said, okay, I'm done with Jonah. I'm going to go get somebody else. But what did he do? He gave Jonah a second chance to do something miraculous, really, to go and, and, and share the, the, uh, the word with the people and see them change their hearts. Many times God will give us a second chance even when we don't deserve it because there's a blessing when we obey. And think of the blessing that happens when, when somebody gets a second chance, and they say, God, I'm going to do it this time. God could have chosen anybody else, but he chose them and gave them a second chance because I think he wants to bless them. He wants to teach them something. Family, he wants to teach us something today. He's a God of second chances. And I know we've all blown it, but he, he, he goes on to write, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That was his message. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow, to repent. You know what burlap looks like? Have you ever seen that? Can you imagine wearing that stuff? I, I don't like sticky clothes. I don't even really like wool sometimes because it feels kind of hot and sticky. I can't imagine wearing burlap. And then uh, he goes on to say here in Jonah 3, 6, when the king of Nineveh, oh, wait, did I skip something here? Oh, no, okay. Uh, Okay, so they declared a fast and put on burlap. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. Now, something that struck me when I was reading this, they didn't wait for the king to declare a fast. The people realized this was a word from God, and they made the decision to fast and, and repent. And so when the king hears this, he, he takes off his royal robes. Now, let me give you a little background on Nineveh. It was a very corrupt city. In fact, they were even enemies of Israel. So I think Jonah's hesitancy was, let them burn, man. Let it burn, baby. I don't care about them. If you get rid of them and wipe them out, that's great. They worshiped pagan gods. Let me say it another way. They were lost. And God still cared about him. Even the king repented. Jonah 3, 6 continues. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. 
Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. No one. So what does that mean? Does that mean everybody? That means men, women, and children? Why? Because they were serious about this word. And maybe there's going to come a time when there'll be a call for America. I can speak louder. There may come a time when we need to fast and pray for this country. In fact, oops, I think the time is now. We need to pray for this nation. We need to pray for our loved ones. You know, let's shut up and quit complaining about it and pray. I mean, God can do something about it. And so the king and his nobles sent down this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. Anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. So your little poodle that you put your Christmas sweater on, they're going to wear burlap, burlap now. Everybody's going to repent and come before the Lord. Okay. Are we there? Okay, can you hear me? All right. Um, so how comfortable do you think burlap would be to wear? I mean, can you imagine your children? Mom, this thing is scratchy. I'm hungry. Son, let me teach you something here. When we face hard times, we need to pray. We need to repent of the things that we've done. See, it's a teaching moment for them, but more importantly, it's a teaching moment for us. Are we getting some things here today? Are we seeing a God of restoration? Are we seeing that we need to be serious about the things before us? Let's read on. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all the violence. Do we need to see some violence ending here in America? So they were fasting. Well, let me back up. They were committed. They were fasting. They were repenting. And they were changing their behavior. They were stopping their violent behavior. Verse 9, who can tell, perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. That's mercy. <laughs> That's grace. Have we ever needed to stop doing some stuff? And God has been gracious and merciful to us. And if you read on in the story, you know that Jonah was really upset. Again, I think it's because they were his enemies. He's like, let them burn, baby. I don't care. But the other thing that Jonah should realize is what about God's mercy toward them? Hadn't God shown Jonah some mercy? <laughs> Verse 11, but Nineveh has more than 12, uh, no, more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. 
not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? The Lord cares about people. He even cares about animals. I got online today to look and see what the population of the Houston area is. It said it was 7.1 or 7.15, something like that. million people. If God cares about 120,000 people and their animals, do you think he cares about 7 million people? Do we have a heart for the things that God has a heart for? Are we just playing church? Are we just playing Christian? Paul instructing Tim in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6. Paul says, I urge you, first, first of all, first, first of all, to pray for all people. Pray for the people that are saved. Pray for the people that are not saved. Pray for your government officials, the ones you like, the ones you don't like, the ones you voted for, the ones you didn't vote for. Pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. If we love people, we will pray for people. I've shared with you some of the experiences we've had. We had a neighbor from hell. The guy hated us. He was possessed. I'm not joking. I think he was seriously possessed. He hated us. And we prayed for him. We prayed for his salvation. When his dog got run over, we prayed for him. God healed his dog. We prayed for his alcoholic son who lived across the street from us that had taken on this whole mantle of hate and evil and wickedness. God planted us right there in the middle of that mess so that we could pray for them. And for 10 years we were praying. And two months before we moved up here, he died. I'm like, really, Lord, now? God will place you in situations because he wants you to pray for people. He wants us to have a heart for people, not, not just the people that treat us nice and kind. This guy would pull up in his yard, not on our yard, at 3 o'clock in the morning, turn on his lights to his, his uh, SUV, shining his lights into our bedroom, honking the horn, getting out there with a bullhorn. Oh, you want to see vindictive? I'll show you vindictive. What? What have we done but exist? He would go out there. He had a, uh, a clothesline. Some of you know what a clothesline is, right? It's a pole with looks like a T, and it has lines on it, and you hang clothes on it to dry. He would go out there like 3 or 4 in the morning and start pounding on that thing just to wake us up. Look, just because you have to go to the restroom doesn't mean I do. But he's saying, pray, intercede, petition for them. If you know they're demon-possessed, pray they get released. Pray they be set free. And give thanks for them. Lord, I, 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 I thank you for this neighbor because it's causing me to pray for him. 
I guess I needed to get up at 3 in the morning and pray. Thanking God for him. God cares about those people. He cares about these people. He cares about us. So pray for all people. Intercede for them. Thank God for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Are you praying for your leaders? Every Wednesday, we're praying for our leaders. 1 Timothy 2.3 This is good and pleases God our Savior. What's good? To pray for everyone? To intercede for them? 1 Timothy 2.4 This, well let me go back to 3. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Okay, so he wants everyone to be saved, but he also wants everyone to understand the truth. This Greek word for understanding means knowledge, recognition, determination. The Lord wants us to clearly understand the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the the truth, and the life. So let me see. Maybe he's saying here he wants all of us to understand Jesus. He wants all of us to have a heart and compassion that Jesus had. Now, there are some boundaries, but are we, are we living within those boundaries? Not as a dogmatic, ritualistic thing, but because we're in this relationship there are things that I do for my wife because I want to honor her. I could, you know, I, I don't care about flowers in the house, but listen, if, if that's going to honor her and bless her, and so how much more should be want, we be wanting to honor and bless the Lord and commit to Him? 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God, one mediator, who can reconcile God and humanity the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. There's the gospel right there in two verses. This is the message God gave to the world just at the right time. So, when do we fast? When we have trials and tribulations, when we really need to seek the Lord or when we need to reconnect with him? We need to fast and pray as a form of worship to God. And God honors those who sincerely seek him that fast and pray and really are seeking him. Through Christ, there is hope for everyone that will receive him. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and God is speaking to your heart. And it's, it's a day, it'd be a beautiful day to re, rededicate your life to the Lord or maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. If that's you, slip up your hand. Anybody here, I want to pray with you. There's no shame in that. Anybody here this morning. Maybe you're watching online and you would say, man, that, that's me. I want to start off this new year better than last year. 
and I've tried to do this on my own and I keep crashing and burning. Listen, I've been there. All of us have been there. But you don't have to stay there. So just pray this simple prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. And I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness today. And I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you that you're the God of second chances. And so I'm, I'm asking you to come into my life today. And I receive you now. In Jesus' name, I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord God, I pray for everyone that prayed that prayer. Father, I pray that you would baptize them with the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit and that they would have a fresh revelation of you, that they would have a fresh encounter with you. And as they read your word, it would come alive. As uh, they spend time in prayer with you, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to their hearts. That you would even break through the fortresses of hardened hearts, Lord God, that you would pierce through and touch the broken, wounded places in all of our lives, Lord God. And so we pray that as they grow in their relationship with you, that you would do amazing things through their hearts and lives. And we pray this prayer with great expectation. And we thank you. In Jesus' name.